You're listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. The book of Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, I want to start in verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks uh, multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna. Which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Uh, The children of Israel, uh, we're talking about obedience, the missing link. The children of Israel, when they were moving out of the land of Egypt into their own land, into the land of Canaan, uh, the Lord wanted to remind them of what is required of them. And uh, this serves as an example to us that when we are uh, blessed in such a way that we do not forget where it comes from. Too often, uh, when we listen to many, many teachers that deal with this area of faith, very seldomly will you hear obedience. You don't hear that often, and you don't hear it enough. And so what tends to happen is, is that people get puffed up in pride and begin to be lifted up beyond measure And then God had to knock us down a couple of pegs, if not all the pegs. And so obedience is the missing link. 
In verse 11, uh, we see that the Lord warned them not to forget the Lord your God. It's very easy to forget him. It's very easy to forget him. And the way that we do this is by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes. We eat, we get full, we get beautiful houses to dwell in them, herds, flocks, multiplied, silver, gold all over the place. And then our heart is lifted up. And we forget the Lord our God who did all these things. And then he humbles us. I love it when the Lord warns us because it is an indication to us that we may have gone astray, that we may have walked out on God and forgotten him. Uh, a lot of people, uh, they've, um, so I don't go to church anymore because church is, church, church, I get hurt in church all the time. I go to this place, I get hurt. I go to that place, I get hurt. Well, could it be that it's the conviction of the scriptures? Now, we all know that sometimes people have attitudes. We, we get it that sometimes people walk into a house of God and walk into people that do have certain mindsets and attitudes. I was reading a, a particular post on uh, Facebook, and uh, a person says, I'm not coming to your church anymore. I've had enough. I'm going. And, and the pastor said, all right, well, would you do me a favor before you go? Would you take this cup of water, it's filled up to the brim, and would you walk around the church with it? The person said, before that happened, well, you know, there's people in church that are on their cell phones. They're gossiping. They're always talking about somebody. They're really doing a disservice. I just don't want to come to your church anymore. And said, so, would you do me a favor? Would you take this cup of water? Would you walk around the church with it? So, so, so this person took the cup of water and walked around the church and didn't want to spill a drop because you don't want to make a mess. So they walked around the church with it and came back to the pastor. And, and the pastor said, while you were walking around uh, the church with this cup of water. Did you pay attention to anybody or perhaps, you know, someone that you may have seen uh, on the cell phone or, or gossiping or not? Says, no, I was concentrating on the, the cup of water. And she said, and he said, that's how you should be concentrating on God, that regardless of what others are doing, you are concentrating on what you're doing with God. So the excuse of blaming everybody else for perhaps their error, the errors of their ways, or whatever it is that they're doing, doesn't fly. Muslims go to church. Well, not church, mosque. Uh, Catholics go to their Catholic church. Jehovah Witnesses go to their meetings. But Christians are not found in church. Hmm. And you want to blame it on someone else instead of blaming it on you. How soon we forget about the Lord sending his son to die for sin. To die for my sin. Never mind anybody else's. I'm glad that he died for the whole world. No, don't get me wrong. Glad that, But he did this for me. Why should I mistreat him because of others? It doesn't make any kind of sense. I'm not here for you. I'm here for me because I want to be here for God. 
because he's done so much for me. First, he saved me from my sin. He had mercy on me. He could have easily have snuffed me out. But because of his mercy, I'm here. Because of his grace, I'm here. Because of his love, I'm here. I'm going to obey him and not let excuses be the thing that I obey. The Lord did all these things to the children of Israel so that way they would remember that it wasn't you that did this. It was me. You see, God is the only one that is allowed to have an ego. In fact, the word I in the Greek and in the New Testament is ego. God is the only one that can have an ego because he doesn't sin. He doesn't get puffed up in pride because if you're all powerful and if you know everything and if you're everywhere, you, ha you have no, you, you don't get puffed up because that's the way God is. So we must never forget that it was God that brought about all the things that we enjoy. First of all, our salvation. Everything else afterwards is friends benefits. Verse 17 says, then you shall say in your heart, my power and my might and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. You see, it's very easy to get puffed up. See what I did? I did this. I did that. I did this. And then all of a sudden, God reminds you, you didn't bring this about. It wasn't because of you. It was because of me. Verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. This word power is not supernatural. You know, I heard a lot, a whole lot of preachers, you know, and I, and I did this too. I, I have to admit that I'm guilt. I'm just as guilty as the rest of them because I was copying what they were saying. And I thought that this word power meant, you know, supernatural. God will just bam it on you. Bam. And that's not what this is. This is uh, this word power is saying. Um, and, and so one of the things that, and, and recently now, one of the things that I've learned to do is that when I hear something, I study, I try to do my best to study it out, to, to gain uh, insight into what is actually being said here. Because sometimes what tends to happen is that when people are in the pulpit, they want to sensationalize their message so that we people are attached to them instead of to God. And they're sitting at their feet instead of sitting at the feet of God. And so, and so we've, we've all jumped on the bandwagon because it was, you know, the most popular thing to preach without studying it out. And so recently, I'm talking about, for me, I'm not talking about anybody else, I'm talking about me. I study it out now, and I and I and I try to gain as much understanding. And when I don't understand, I put it on the shelf and just put it up there and, and study it out later on. The Holy Spirit will give me insight on it later on, or or I come across a reference, reference or more than one reference to see what the text is actually saying. So this word power is the Hebrew word koah, which is spelled K L K O A H. Which, you know, Noah, Koah. Uh, and it's from 
An unused root meaning to be firm, vigor, literally force, in a good or bad sense. Figuratively, capacity means produce. Also from its hardiness, a large lizard, ability, chameleon, force, strength, power, substance, wealth. You see, God gives us strength to get up and go to work in the morning. That's what this is about. It's about God giving you vigor, giving you the capacity or the means so that way you can do the job that you've signed on to do. And you also got to notice one thing, that, that manna, when it fell from heaven, God was, was giving them food from heaven so that way they know that the bread came from heaven. Bread in the natural came from heaven, but first of all, the word of God came from heaven. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The substance comes from God. But when the children of Israel was about to enter the land that God had promised them, God gave them no more bread from heaven. The miracle of bread from heaven stopped because now you can get your own bread. He gives, he gives power to give wealth. He gives you vigor. He gives you strength to go out and get it yourself. That he may establish his covenant, covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. So whenever you're listening you know, to the word of God from people and you don't understand it, put it on the shelf. Don't, don't repeat it. Learn to, learn to study it out and, then, and, see, how it, and see how the Holy Spirit brings, brings you down you know, to, to uh, bring you down below measure and then humbly bring you up so that way you can understand the scripture. Verse 19, then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Uh, this word obedient means to hear intelligently. To hear intelligently. In other words, be smart about what you've heard. Now, if God is warning you not to serve other gods and to worship other gods, or you will perish, he means it. So if you are an intelligent hearer, you will not serve other gods. You will not lift yourself up in pride and say, I did this. No, the, the whole purpose of the Sabbath is to remember that God is the creator. That's the whole purpose of the Sabbath that the Jews were to worship on Saturday the seventh day of the week. Some will say, well, you're, you're in church, you're not in Sabbath. That's true, we, we worship on Sunday. It wasn't by 
divine design. It was done by the whims of man. In fact, it was Constantine that brought about changing the Sabbath from a Saturday to a Sunday. It wasn't God's idea, it was Constantine's idea. And we also see that the believers met on the first day of the week. In one case, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, to bring stores together to minister to the saints, to those who had need. But we need to be smart about what we've heard. How do you be smart about what you've heard? You pay attention and do exactly what the Lord said in his word to do. You are careful to observe to do all that is written in his word. In fact, when the children of Israel was crossing over from uh, Egypt into the promised land, go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua's the book after Deuteronomy, so it's not hard to find. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Uh, beginning at verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving, giving to them. Now, to the children of Israel. Now, let me point something out. Joshua had to wait 40 years to get into the promised land because... God told Moses, send 12 spies, one from each tribe, and go spy out the land. They spied the land and they came back. It took them 40 days to spy the land. No doubt that during those 40 days, they had a long conversation. The conversation took so long that it took 40 days. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go. Let's go now. God said we can have the land. Let's take it. But 10 said, no, nope, we ain't strong enough. We're not bad enough. We can't do this. In fact, they said it like this. We be like grasshoppers in their sight. Talking about the sons of Anak. I mean, they, 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 they compared themselves with the sons of Anak, instead of saying, you sons of Anak are dead meat. Because God said, we can have this. So they compared themselves with the sons of Anak. And as a result, that their word spread throughout the whole camp of Israel. Let me tell you something. Fear spreads faster than faith. But fear also spreads faster than obedience. Because all they had to do was obey what God said. It wasn't a matter of faith. It was a matter of obedience. You know, the way that I, that I taught this in, in decades ago, was that it was all about faith, 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 faith. But it wasn't that. It was all about obedience. What did God say? And what am I to do in response 
to what he said. If he said that we can have the land, it's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of obedience. And that's where I've been missing it. I said, wow, that's... I thought it was just faith, 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 faith. No, 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 no. Obedience to what he said in his word. We don't hear this taught. We don't hear this taught this way. Because we're so filled with faith. By faith. By faith. Yeah. Obedience. You, wanna, you want the land? Obey what God said. Every place, verse 3, that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. It took 40 years for Joshua and Caleb to receive the promise because of the disobedience of a generation behind them. I mean, all, all they had to do was obey what God said. God said, I can have it, therefore I'm a-going. That's all. Just go. Just do. They didn't want to do that because they were comparing themselves. They were sizing themselves up for a battle that God won already. So now Joshua gets to go into the land. Every place that the sole of your foot will, will uh, every, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, if anybody knows anything about geography and maps and things of that nature, the river Euphrates goes beyond Saudi Arabia. In fact, it goes into Iraq what is called modern-day uh, Iraq. They were supposed to have... You, can you picture this? The children of Israel was also supposed to have Saudi Arabia. This, it says the river Euphrates, right? Well, if you know where the river Euphrates is, it's beyond Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is not supposed to belong to the, the, the Arabs. It was supposed to belong to Israel because underneath Saudi Arabia is all that oil. I don't know about you, but I know, I know if I was a Jew and I was looking back at this, reading back at this, I would, have said, I would have been saying, man, our ancestors were dumb. Can you imagine how much resources the children of Israel would have had? I mean, they got access into the Red Sea, you know, fine. But Saudi Arabia is over Oman and Yemen. If you know anything about, you know, maps, topography. I'm, I'm speaking as a chart petty officer in the Navy. And so you have the Arabian Sea. They would have had access to the Indian Ocean. Boy, why? Because God would have birthed more people to inhabit the land to, to keep it. But because they've sinned, they only got a little piece of land. 
And up until and to this day, there's roughly between 800,000 and 1.2 million Jews in that land. But God says, look, I, I want you to have everything all, all the way over. Now, Lebanon is to the, to the north. They were, they were even supposed to have the wilderness and this Lebanon to the north, because north, north of Lebanon is, is Syria, and then you have Turkey. Verse 4 again, from the wilderness, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and, so, and to the great sea. Now everybody know where the great sea is. It's the Mediterranean Ocean. Toward the going down of the sun, sun rises in the east, sets in the west, right? So the great sea is the, the Mediterranean Sea. Shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You will not, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this people shall, you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give, to give them. Excuse me. Look at verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. It doesn't take faith to do this. It takes obedience to do this. Because God said, only be strong. So guess what I'm going to be? Strong. And very courageous. I don't have to have faith for this. I just got to obey him in this. I mean, have you ever been, to, been in a situation where something you know, came to you by mail and you got fear? But then you remember God's word and all of a sudden you transferred fear for faith, but faith also for obedience because God said this is not going to bother you. This is not going to affect you. And then, and then God tells you fear not. You see, fear not is not a matter of faith. Fear not is a matter of obedience. So you change being fearful, having a heart of fear, to being courageous, very courageous, to be strong and very courageous. Because if you knew, if you know that you have someone bigger than all the world, why do you fear? There's nothing to fear. If you knew how big God is and he tells you to be strong and be very courageous, I mean, man, you, you, you should just go ahead and say, God, you are strong. God, you are good. God, you are, you are God. <laughs> it's about obedience. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. You see, to do, to observe and to do according to all the, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you is not a matter of faith. It is a matter of obedience. 
If I do what God says, it's, it's a done deal. If I obey his word, it's a done deal. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. How often? Day and night. When you get up in the morning, during the course of your day, when you go to bed at night, God wants you to be so consumed with his word, so consumed with his word that when it comes to obedience, it's, it's a done deal. Man, I could remember when I was, I wasn't in the word as I thought I was. Wasn't obeying his commands. I mean, I had no, I had no knowledge of his word in terms of, of the word living and dwelling in me. I, I knew where to go in scripture, but scripture wasn't living in me. You see, you know that you have transferred from head knowledge to heart knowledge when the word begins to live in you because you want to obey the word. There are times that God will give us a word. Watch. God will give us a word and we think it's for somebody else. But it was addressed to you. You see, we want to preach it to others, but God said, this word is for you. And don't share it with anybody else because it's not addressed to anybody else. It's addressed to you. And it's always a word that we that he knows that we are reluctant to obey. We just don't want to. We want to do we want to do things our way. We want to have things our way. So so we like to manufacture a word or when we get something we address it to somebody else. You see, that's 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 what we do. We the the mailman or the mail person put the mail in your mailbox because it had your name on it, but you want to give it to your neighbor. Uh-huh. I need to give this to my neighbor. No, 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 no. It's addressed to you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You see, it's not just in the meditation. It's in the observe to do according to all that is written in it. You see, we always, we always talk about and get happy over the fact, then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. We, 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 we will shout down the house on the prosperous and success, but we will not shout down the house on what we have to do to acquire prosperous and success. 
The effort is in the meditation day and night, but in also the doing. You do not get strong by just having a gym membership. You gotta go and do. If you don't go and do, you can brag about Planet Fitness all you want. Oh, I got a gym membership. Glad. Do you go? No. Why have a membership? Why have the Bible? Why talk about, well, I'm going to be prosperous and have good success, but I'm not going to do according to all that is written in it. It's good for nothing. Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? You see, when a command is issued, don't you think that obedience is, is the next step? Is the next thing that's required? If there is a command, then there is a demand for obedience. I, I remember that fateful day <laughs> 42 years ago, 42 and a half years ago, where I signed a contract a four-year military obligation and I had to raise my right hand and then the words came out that I would obey the orders of the President of the United States and the officers appointed to me and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. I put myself under a contract that whatever they say goes. My body became the government's property. I may not like what they've ordered, but I had to do it. Hands down, without question. How much more the word of God? How much more the word of God? Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So you do, or you pay attention to, and do exactly what the Lord said in his word to do. You are careful to observe to do all that is written in his word. And I find that there are essentially 10 things that covers our life. 10 things in, in, in terms of obedience. Now, of course, there were more than 10 things in the book of Exodus. And also for the Levites, there was Levitical um, uh, observances and laws that the Levites had to, have, had to follow. But there was also Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means second law. And that's from the Septuagint, uh, the Greek uh, Bible. Deuteronomy, second law, second helping. God wants the law to be a witness against you. Um, the, 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 there's essentially ten things that covers the whole basis of life. Go to Exodus chapter 20, and we're gonna quickly learn these 10 things. And some, and some people will say, well, we're in, we're, in, we're in the dispensation of grace, we're not under law. That's right, Paul said that we're not under, we're not under law, but under grace. 
But if you look at it very carefully, what was written in the law still must be adhered to and followed. Grace doesn't mean that you set aside the 10. Grace means that God did you a favor. That's all. But yet these 10 things are still enforced, still required. In Exodus chapter 20, look at verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You, law number one, you shall have no other gods before me. You know what that means? That means you cannot present yourself to another God before him. God is essentially saying, I'm number one. Everybody else is none. That's the way that works. And so what we've done over the years is that we've reinvented the kind of God that we want. God is love, and that he is, in 1 John chapter 4. That he is. But that's not all of what he is. God is holy. It's amazing how you can, you can read through some, not all, but some of the visions of houses. You know, everybody has to have a vision. I mean, we started out when I said, I, I've said no more. They, they, everybody everybody got to have a vision. But, but very seldom do I come across someone with a vision that says that he's holy. All I come across, most of what I come across is that he's love. He's love. He's love. You're only showing one dimension of what he is. But do you show that he's holy? And he has zero tolerance for sin? No. We don't, we don't want to show that because we want, we want to attract people. But we, want, we don't want to tell the truth of who God is. God is righteous. We are to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. So, so when, you, when all you say is that God is love, guess what you've just done? You've developed uh, the kind of God that you want, that he's love only. You shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now see, if you're in the third and fourth generation and you don't hate him and you love him, then this doesn't apply to you. But if in the third and fourth generation, you got children that hate God just like you, guess where he's going to visit? He's going to visit that third and fourth generation of those that hate me. But watch this. But showing mercy to those, to thousands rather, to those who love me, and watch this, and keep my commandments. You see, that's why it's not about faith alone. It's about keeping his 
commandments, obeying his commandments. Well, you're preaching Old Testament preaching. You're missing it. You're, you're, you're really missing it. No, I'm not missing it. These things are still in force today. Uh, does God still today in grace show mercy to thousands? Yes, he does. And to those who love me and keep my commandments. You're going to find that there is a pattern here. That Jesus did not change anything. You're going to find in the New Testament that the pattern is still the same. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Just in case you don't know, OMG is taking the name of the Lord in vain. So please stop if you haven't already saying OMG. You're taking the name of the Lord in vain. If you say, oh my goodness, that's another word. You're using a different word. That's fine. No, no problem with that. But when you use the name of God like that, you have brought the name of the Lord to a low level. And God has zero tolerance for that. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That includes the, the, the cuss word. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Well, we're under grace, so we can curse. No, you can't. That's the language of the devil. You're not saved. Well, if anything, you're backslidden. You know, you have, you have, you have those special Christians, you know, that think they got wide latitude with God, and you don't. Where's your fear? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, we don't worship God on Saturday. Well, that's right. We worship him on Sunday. But we are to keep it holy. In fact, if you really love the Lord, you would keep every day holy. You ain't got to wait for a seventh day. If you were really walking in the things of the Lord, every day would be a holy day. Which is the intent of God in the first place. Why is he dwelling in us? Why is he only dwelling in us on Sunday? Six days you shall do labor in all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, you nor your son, nor your, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord, therefore... The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father. Here's, here's another one. Honor your father and your mother that, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. But I remember mom, I mean, I, I would get mom upset all the time. Yeah, yeah all the time. I, I was a thorn in my mom's flesh. I really was. You know, I'm, you know, first son, of course. 
<laughs> and, and then she will put scripture on me. It says, honor, the, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. She would say that all the time. But she's right. Because it comes from the word of God. Have you, have you noticed that commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two, you shall not make a grave or carve an image. Number three, uh, uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Can, can you see those, those top four commands is all about God? What is God getting over to us? Remember him. Don't substitute me. Don't choose something else and throw me aside. And oh, if something happens to you and you use my name in vain, I'm, I'm gonna get you. You will be judged. And oh, by the way, keep my Sabbath holy. Those four things are high on the list. So, so how dare we get out of coming to church? We always making an excuse to get out of service. Now, the sins is about your mother and your, your father and your mother. You mistreat them and you're not living long. You abuse them and you're not living long. And then, that's five, here's number six. You shall not kill or you shall not murder. <laughs> you see, the whole world out here in the United States is going crazy over 19 kids getting killed and two adults out there in Uvalde, Texas. All bent out of shape. We gotta do something. We gotta take everybody's guns. We gotta, we gotta do background checks. We gotta do something. Look, let's just pretend for just a second I'm a criminal. Thou shalt have no guns. I'm a criminal. What do you think I'm gonna do? You said I can't have that? I ain't paying attention to you. You can write all the laws you want. I'm going to get one and ain't nothing you can do about it. What are you going to do? Put the police outside my door 24 hours a day, seven days a week? I know they got to go to the bathroom and they ain't going into the bathroom in their, in their patrol car. I know they got to eat because they get hungry unless, they bought, unless in their trunk is 10 days supply of food. But I know that after they run out of food, they're going to go get something to eat. Oh, we'll put a camera out there in front of you. So I'll go out the back door. We'll put a camera in the back door. So what? I'll just put on a mask. I mean, we're, we're all wearing a mask anyway. A criminal is going to do what a criminal does. Ignore every law. A criminal is lawless. There is not one law, including this commandment, that stopped him from killing. Did it? Nope. 
So what are we to do? Guess what? Obedience. I'm not going to kill. You see, a lot of the problems that society experiences today is simply because they don't want to obey God's Ten Commandments. It's just that simple. Some would say, the church got to get up and do something. Well, well, we are. We're praying. We're seeking God's face. But we're also obedient to his word. Well, we got to go out there and do something. Well, if they don't come to him, what are we left to do? You see, the church can't force people to come to him. We can only give them the message and then God moves on their hearts and they obey his word in response to God moving on their hearts. But there are people that refuse to be obedient when God moves on their hearts. You see, God wants a willing heart, has to be willing to come to him to turn from their wicked ways. They can't be forced. They can't be made. Here's a case in point, Adam and Eve. God put Adam to sleep, took a rib out of him, made a woman. God brought the woman to the man. Adam says, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And then, and then God walked away. But you got to understand something about God. God knows how to walk away and still be there. Eve wanted that tree. Adam, what's that tree? It's the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord said not to eat of it lest we surely die. But I want that tree. But God said not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because he said that in the day that we eat of it, we shall surely die. But I want that tree. But God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All the other trees you, sh you can eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then when Eve was having a conversation with Satan, all of a sudden Satan says, Yea, hath God said? And, and all of a sudden, she said, what? he was questioning what God said. And then Eve says, now nah, we can't eat of the tree neither shall we touch it lest we die. Well, that's not what God said. Obedience to what God says is to accurately quote what God said. We can't touch it. So where did that came out? Where did that came about? Maybe Adam, maybe in her mind, we don't know. It's speculation. But all that time while they were having that conversation, God was right there. God was right there. And all of a sudden Satan comes up. Adam didn't do his job. She ate first. Then Adam ate. And then their eyes were open. Because the combination of obeying the commandment was not with Adam alone. It was with both Adam and Eve. Satan needed to break the combination. And he broke Eve. Eve broke Adam. And then God came searching for them because they hid because they saw that they were naked and they sowed leaves 
And God was there. Well, why didn't God do something? Why didn't God come and tell the serpent that he can't do this? Why didn't God tell Adam, don't do it, Eve, don't you even think about it? Why? Because God gave the greatest gift besides himself, and that is the free will. He wants you to choose him over sin. You see, at any time, Eve could have walked, walked away from that conversation and not even touched the tree, and it would still been good. Anytime, they could have just went back, said, let's talk to God about this, and it all would have been good. But no, they did it behind God's back, but before him because he was right there. Why didn't God stop him? He gave them a free will. Because God gets his best worship from a free will. The best worship that comes from people is that which is done in spirit and in truth because of a free will to choose to spirit, choose to worship him in spirit and in truth. You mean now, since he couldn't stop him, that God wasn't all powerful? God was all powerful before, during, and after. Didn't change God. The sin that they committed changed them. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. Cain, hmm, Cain, Abel brought first of the flock and the fat of the, of the lamb. This is Genesis 5. He brought, he brought what God required. Cain, Cain says, I'm going to bring God fruit because I know he liked fruit. He, he, he liked what I got for him on the ground. This is good. He, he'll, 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 he'll take this. And God accepted Abel's offering, but rejected Cain. And Cain's countenance fell. He was angry, and his countenance fell. Cain did all that work. He did all that work. And God says, nope, I don't want it. I don't want it. His countenance fell. And God says, Cain, how come you're angry? It was evident that you were rejected. God said, well, you, you got sin lying at the door. Overcome it. Actually, that word overcome says prevail. It would be well with you. Overcome that sin. Because, see, anger is equal to the knife in the back. The pulling of the trigger. The clubbing with a stick. Anger. Hatred is equivalent to that. You anger first. You, you hate and anger here first before you physically touch the individual. How come God couldn't stop Cain? Free will. Free will. What would, what would you do if God made you do everything? You'll turn the saying, God, the, the devil made me do it into God made me do it. God can't make you do it. It's when you willingly obey him. 
Perhaps Cain was thinking about it all day long, all night long. God rejected me, and he knew that he couldn't kill God. So he decided, well, I'm going to kill my brother. Wait, wait a minute. Your kin. Someone that's related to you. Someone that did nothing to you. And you're going to kill him? How come God couldn't stop him? Free will. Free will. How come God couldn't stop that 18-year-old teenager? Free will. He could easily say, you know what, I'm mad over nothing. You know what he was mad over? He got in an argument with his grandmother. The New York Post reported that he got in an argument with his grandmother because he didn't graduate from high school. So he's going to take it out on people because you didn't do your classwork? Look, I know, I know how that is. Of course I was mad when I got left back in the 10th grade. I was bad, stark raving mad. But you know what? I realized that it was me. It wasn't the teacher. It wasn't the school. It was me. I couldn't keep up with the work. So you know what I did? I said, Lord, I will obey your word. I will do what you said to do if you'll, if, if you'll let me graduate on time. I went into a vow. And he honored his word and I'm honoring mine. He could easily have said, you know what? All right, so I messed up in school. I'm going to go back and study harder. But he didn't do that. He got so mad that he took out, shot his grandmother, thinks she's still in critical condition, and took out 19 kids and two adults. Never mind the timeline and the events and all that. We know that that, play, that factors into it, to it all. We all know that. But yet he still murdered. And here is a very simple command in verse 13. You shall not murder. I said there's a simple solution to this whole problem. See, all y'all want to do is sit around and powwow about laws and how to, how to get background checks and stopping people from having guns and things of that nature. I got the solution. I got the, the solution is crystal clear. John 3 and verse 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven person needs to be born again. If every single person, I think there's about what, three billion, four billion people on the planet, if every single person that is alive on this planet right now, three billion, four billion people, would turn their lives in repentance from dead works and faith towards God today, there will be no more murders. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Why? Because this command stands in the born again believer. You shall not murder. That's how it's solved. Oh, that's, that's way too over the top. That can't happen. Well, there will be more shootings. There will be more stabbings. There will be more killings. Oh, you're not optimistic. Well, I'm trying to give you the solution so that we can be optimistic. But until every person is born again, you're going to see more bloodshed. You're going to see more people die by the hands of another individual based on anger and hatred in their heart. You're seeing the spirit of the devil operate in people. And the only way to stop this is by getting his nature out of you and putting Jesus' nature in you by way of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. You shall not commit adultery. 
the Southern Baptist uh, Church, the largest uh, Christian denomination in the United States, boasting of 14, wow, 14 uh, million members, have hidden for 20 years sexual scandals of pastors for 20 years. They're supposed to be the stellar organization. They're supposed to be the, the leading Christian organization. And yet, for hundreds if not thousands of pastors, they kept hidden sexual immorality in their highest ranks because they were more concerned about protecting their reputation than repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Committing adultery left and right. Married men in the Southern Baptist Church. But not there only. In Catholicism, which really isn't a, a, a church, they're a haven of idols. Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult. They too had sexual immorality problems. And now all throughout the church, even in non-denominational word of faith churches, you have pastors living a secret sexual sins life simply because they don't know how to walk in this basic command. You shall not commit adultery. You've been listening to our Prevailing Word podcast. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.